We're now going to have the reading, please. The first reading today is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 6, and can be found on page 1102 of the Pew Bibles. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous thoughts against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the second reading is taken from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 22, and can be found on page 1090 in the Pew Bibles. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. This is the word of the Lord. So, Father, we pray that you'd come now and and bless us, speak to us, change us, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Folks, what I want to do is I want to, um, to look at this, 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 this story and to look at the question that Jesus asks. You've been working hard preparing for these exams. You studied, you got ready, you go into the examination hall with all the other students pouring through the door, you find your way to your desk and you sit down and you happen to, the paper's upside down, you can't read the questions, but you happen to read the rubric, which is turned up the right way. And the rubric says, answer the question. There's only one question. Have I? Do I what's going to happen? There's one question that God asks us. And I'm going to look at that question. The question is, do you love me? The question Jesus asked Peter is the question Jesus asks us. Do you love me? And that's what I'm going to be looking at today. I love the story. I love the story of them going off and fishing because this is so human. <laughs> you know, have you ever been in one of those situations where you've, there's something and it's, you've got to, you're trying to get your mind around it. Something, maybe it's an issue and you, how am I going to resolve it? And you, you, you've got a, a difficulty and, it, and you go round and around and around in your, in your mind. How, what are we going to do? Yeah. And then you go off and you do something. You go and dig in the garden. You go for a walk around the block. You go and have a game of Sudoku. (laughs) But you go and do something that, that just sort of takes your brain to a different place. Hey, And how often is it? That at that different place, doing the different thing, walking around the block, whatever, it all just, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It, it, and it's how, how our minds sort things out. And I suggest that that's exactly what's going on here. In the story, 
a big issue is being sorted out. Let's look at it. How many of you know someone from your family, perhaps, or from among your friends? How many of you know someone who uh, died and was buried and then came back to life? Anyone? Did your mother or father, when you were growing up, did any of them say to you, I once knew this fellow who was dead and buried and he came back to life? Did that ever happen to any of you? No? In any of the books that you've read from history, from the 17th century or whatever, did, did, did you ever come across a story like this where someone was buried, dead, buried, and, and rose again? No? 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 Doesn't happen, does it? Doesn't happen. So here we have the disciples who have seen the person they've followed for the last three years. They've seen him terribly treated, die on a cross, be buried, and then we know from, from, from last week's readings on the evening of the first day, disciples were together. Doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them. He showed them his hands and his side. They touched him. And they believed they were overwhelmed with joy. Hey? And then the same thing happened with, with, with Thomas a week later. But, friends, you have to see that this, getting your mind around this is something else. This does not happen, does it? It does not happen. And here is Jesus. And that, that, these guys are having, their, their minds are spinning. Seriously, it has to be spinning. We listen to the story and we think, yeah, okay, Jesus is resurrected, yeah. But for them, it's all just... Bam, bam, bam. Wow. So off they go, doing something that they know well. They go fishing. They go out all night. They would have fished at night because in the Sea of Galilee, it's, it's so clear that the fish can see the net during the day, so you have to fish at night. They're fishing all night long. Nothing. This appears on the shore just at early dawn. And one can imagine the scene, can't you? It just must have been so beautiful. It's a lake. There's the birds calling. The call of the birds in the early morning. You know how the, 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 the smell of the water, the freshness of the dawn, chill of the air, and Jesus stands on the shore and speaks to them. Friends, did you carry, catch any fish? You know how sand, so, sorry, sound just travels so well over water, even though they're 100 yards, he wouldn't have shouted. We're just carried. Cast your nets on the other side of the boat, he tells them. No, we haven't got anything cast on the other side. You can just imagine them, can't you? Shifting the nets from the left side to the other side. Chucking the nets out. Splash. 
fish in the water, letting the nets sink slowly. And then... (laughs) And they pull the net in. They can't pull it on, on board, there's so many. And then the disciple whom Jesus loves recognizes that it's Jesus. Now that's a curious expression, isn't it? The disciple whom Jesus loved. And I, wonder, I often wonder, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that Jesus had a favorite? But I can't believe that Jesus would have a favorite. And I, I suspect that it's something like this. In life, there are some people who just know that Jesus loves them. They're convinced of it. And, and I believe that John was one of those. He just knew that Jesus loved him. The others might not have been quite so sure. But he knew it. He knew it. I know Jesus loves me. Is what. So this disciple says to Peter, <laughs> it's the Lord. Peter, the original numpty, then he puts on his clothes and jumps in the sea. I mean, how daft is that? <laughs> Swim well with your clothes on, boy. <laughs> There, the, um, there's a fire. And there's, the fire is burning and there's some bread and some fish on it. Bread of angels. Whatever. But it's there. Can you imagine the smell? So good. Smell of the coal. Jesus says to them, Bring some of the fish you caught. So Saint Simon Peter, then he's, 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 he's swum ashore. He goes then back into the boat to pull the net in. There's 153 of these fish. Now we're told they were large fish. I haven't fished for a while, but a, a, a fish, a pound in weight to me is not a large fish. A pound in weight is just, just a medium fish. A big fish is when you're starting to get two pounds or more. That's a nice fish, four pounds. What size were these fish? Eh? If, the, if, if that means that the average size was about two pounds, maybe more, you're pulling something over something like 300 pound net, not including the weight of the net itself. It's a delightful clue to just how big Peter was. Eh? He must have been a massive man. Pulls this thing ashore. And then they have a meal together. But there's an elephant in the room. Isn't there? There's an elephant. And the elephant is this. Simon Peter had just within the last few weeks promised Jesus... Others may let you down. I will go with you to prison and to death. He gave Jesus his word that he would stick with him. Remember that? He promised. And he didn't fulfill. When he was asked, he denied Jesus three times. Hey? 
It was real. He blew it, man. He blew it. He gave his word. You know how it is when you, when you give your word? It's your word. People can hold you to your word. And he gave his word. And then denied Jesus. And that's the elephant in the room. They're eating, but there's this thing. It's there. Perhaps in the silences, everyone would have looked at each other in a, you know, because they're conscious. You know how, how you're uncomfortable when there is an elephant in the room? <laughs> yeah. I think that Jesus took Peter off away from the disciples to ask, ask them this question. Because um, you'll see at, at, towards the end of the reading, the, they look back and they, they see John following them. So they must have been walking away. So Jesus doesn't embarrass Peter in front of his, his friends when he asks him these questions. But he takes them away. They go for a walk. Because Jesus cares so much, he's not going to pretend that there is no elephant in the room. He's not going to pretend that this issue of promise and then not doing what you promise, he's not going to pretend that that never happened. He cares too much. No, he takes Peter away and then he asks him. Notice Peter denied Jesus three times and three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? And it's, it's very clear that Jesus is doing this on purpose to, to cover the guilt and to take away the sin, to deal with the elephant. And he asks, the first time he asks, he asks him if he loves him with an agape love, a full, abundant love. And Peter replies, he can't use that word. So he uses, I I love you with a filio love, a, a friendship kind of love. But Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Simon Peter, do you love me? More than all of these. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And friends, that's the question. That's the question that Jesus asks every single one of us. Do you love me? Well, you say to me, well, Tim, how's he got the right to ask that question? Why should he ask me that question? Who is he? to ask that question? The answer? He's the one who's risen from the dead. That gives him a right. He is the son of God. That gives him a right. He's the Messiah. He's the savior. Yeah. Don't we say, don't, don't we believe that through Jesus, 
all things were created. And through Jesus, we live. By him we were created, by, by the Spirit, we, by, through him we were created. So that gives him a right for us to answer the question. To ask us, to ask us the question. So if Jesus, if Jesus is the one who's come back from the dead, who is the Son of God, then obviously then we have to go further still and we have to ask ourselves, well what happened to him? What happened to him that he ended up in the grave? And there's all this, the accounts, as you know, in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels. All the Gospels concentrate on, on the events of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the last few hours of his life. Crucifixion. All that went on in that, in, that, in that week just before it. Because something was going on in the death of Jesus. In the death of Jesus, it wasn't just that this was a man, who, a peasant from Galilee, who was, who, was, who was being punished by the Roman governor. The death of Jesus is very specifically doing something. It's a purpose of death. In the death of Jesus, God was putting the sin of the world, the Terrible things which we see in our world today and we don't have to look terribly far for a whole lot of really bad stuff, do we? The sin of the world was put on Jesus. Martin Luther said that in the cross Jesus became the worst adulterer, the worst murderer, the worst slave driver, the worst of all humanity. That's what he became in, the, in his death. So that those who are the worst can find life and forgiveness. There is hope for us all in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ takes away our sin. It cleanses us from all our sin. It cleanses us from all our guilt. It cleanses us from all the elephants in our own rooms. <laughs> yeah, it does. He sorts it. And that's what we proclaim, don't we? We proclaim that Christ the King, Christ the Lord, Yahweh, God, took our guilt and sin on himself, paid the price that had to be paid, and dealt with it effectively so you and I are never on probation with God you and I are fully accepted and therefore this Jesus who died quite literally for you on your behalf in your place 
This Jesus asks you the question, asks me the question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And friends, it's a question we've all got to answer. Amen.